I'm Lauren. I'm Tia. <laughs> and this is the journey to transformation. I just wanted to see what it would be like <laughs> to be a white woman for a moment. Oh, yeah. How does it feel? For a moment, I felt some relief. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. It matches your love of spreadsheets, so... Do you want your superiority back? Um... You do a little bit, don't you? I don't know. If I could have white superiority, I would. Really? Supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> superiority. That too, I mean. I don't think there's much difference between that and supremacy, surely. Feigned superiority. <laughs> Imagined superiority, I suppose. Yeah. Well... You can have your supremacy back. Okay. I'm finished with it now. Okay. Mm, thanks. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? The stress of my modern office has caused me to go into a depression. The stress of the modern office? <laughs> what does that mean? Here's a quote from the office. Oh. <laughs> in my head, I was like, okay, so what's happening at the workspace? What are people doing and saying? How are people influencing you? You're the only other person in my workspace. <laughs> no, I mean like it's an open workspace. Other people are around. No, those people are fine. Doing things. You weren't in on Friday, but they had a call in the Caterpillar cake. Oh, did you take some? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, last time they had 50 croissants that nobody ate and like mm. fruit and granola. Yeah. It was very tempting to take a croissant. I took one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. But I also feel like because people have gone into that workspace and been like, do we work there? And people have asked that. So I feel like... You could just take it and people might assume you work there. Well, until I made a complaint. Oh, until yes, I did right. a white supremacy and called the manager. It was like I worked there. That's <laughs> 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 so funny. Well, I mean, you got to take the perks then, really. Yeah, so this is a women's only membership space that we go to. And before you think that we're a bunch of bougie bitches, it's... Actually, we are a bunch of bougie bitches. Yeah, but it's it's much cheaper than every single. I don't know how they're pricing this thing out, but it's Shh, much cheaper. Yeah, don't yeah don't go or do go. Get out of the scarcity mindset, you white supremacist. I know, but then they might put the prices up. Sorry, <laughs> right, I blocked I mean, it up for at least six months. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, so I made the argument that they needed to put some recycling bins in there because climate catastrophes disproportionately impact women. It's such a great <laughs> argument. I just love it. Like that's the reason. It's such a great like you know. Here's the root cause, and women are affected. Yeah. Well, well as soon as you walk in, it's got a massive neon sign that says sisterhood there, and like mm. everything's the sisterhood, the sisterhood, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So Let's do something with that. So recycle. Sisterhood. <laughs> yeah, totally. But you know what they're doing now because they felt bad. They are only stock. Sorry, everyone. This is like really fucking boring. <laughs> but they're only stocking the coffee with the coffee you and I like. Oh my god, so that's it's just so those ones now. They funny. haven't bought anything else. I think stalking. <laughs> stocking. Yeah, like stocking. Yes, that's I think good. They feel bad. Yeah, I did actually see you and I left the other day. There was a box of Nescafe. It's Nescafe, right? A no. pod. Espresso. Nespresso pods, like a big box downstairs. And yeah. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're starting to recycle them now because I was getting upset about them not recycling the oh, pods. They, have they got a, a separate bin? No, they've come to me and they've said they're doing it. Oh, great. So complain, folks. I mean, also like people coming and going and there's a big enough group of people there that should make an impact. Yeah. And there was a time there for a while where they were doing this weird thing where they were only having new rolls of toilet paper in 
the stalls. So whenever somebody would go, they would put just new rolls in. Do you know what I mean? I remember. And then I got really annoyed because in the bins were partial toilet paper rolls. And so I took all of them. Well done. (laughs) But like, I don't even understand the logic to that though. Yeah, it's it's so dumb. There's none, like literally none. Great for me. Yeah. I didn't have to buy toilet paper for ages. Oh, well done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Changing workplaces one at a time. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing my bit for COP27, so. Well done. I mean, this is a really good segue into what I have to say about COP27. Shall I tell you? I've got some grievances. Yeah, okay. So tell us what you did and all about COP27. Go. Okay. So this is coming out before COP27. And what's COP27? COP27 is the UN's climate change festival. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I wish it was a festival. It's like a festival because I imagine people just say shit they don't mean, get really sloppy and then go home feeling depressed about the things that they said and full of self-loathing and regret. And then instantly forget until next year. Yeah. And then they do it all over again. Ta-da! Hence, festival. So all the usual suspects are there talking about the climate situation. And so lots of organizations are like, help us understand like what we can do to get our agenda into COP27. Mm-hmm. So I went to an event at Chatham House with John Kerry, who is the climate change envoy for the U.S. State Department. He also ran for president and lost, obviously. And he used to be the Secretary of State, actually. Yeah, I think that's how I know him. Yeah. For being Secretary of State. Yeah, I think he was after Hillary Clinton. That seems right. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) COP27 also has all the states there, doesn't it? Country representatives go. And are they meant to make a commitment or are they meant to checkmark a commitment? Well, no. So this one's supposed to be like they're taking... The commitments that they've made previously, like they're recommitting. Okay. It's like they're renewing their vows. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for public purposes only. (laughs) Look what I'm doing. Exactly. So John Kerry was there and I am a member of Chatham House. So I went and it was being chaired by Bronwyn, who's the executive director of Chatham House. She's cool. So he just... First off, it annoyed me because she was asking him a question about climate catastrophes. And basically he was saying, like, don't be a hysterical woman about it. And I was like, John Kerry. No, that was the undertone. And I was like, John Kerry, shit is on fucking fire. London was on fire. The U.S., a portion of it is underwater. We can call it a disaster and a crisis. So he would do stuff like that. And he was like, I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist. And like, here's all the things that we're doing. But I don't think he ever really got to the point where he was really addressing the fact that if we don't do something immediately, we're fucked alongside the fact that the US and China, two biggest fucking world polluters, the US, we can't make commitments to anything with any real substantive change unless it exists within a presidential cycle. We can't stay hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, we just can't do it. So, like, Joe Biden, he can only do what he can do within his presidency because he needs to know that if he's not the next one, that person's going to undo it. Donald Trump undid a bunch of cool stuff that Barack Obama did. You can't really make any of these big commitments. But also, I really would have liked him to acknowledge the fact that, like, how are you going to get any kind of commitment to something meaningful and international in America when we're basically in a civil war. I don't understand. Our politics are so entrenched. The Speaker of the House 
her husband was attacked in their home with a hammer because this like conspiracist was looking for her. It's just crazy. I don't understand how nobody's thinking about the fact that America is, and I'm American. Surprise. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Apologetic American. I can say these things. But I don't understand how nobody's questioning America's leadership when we are fucking shit at this stuff. We are shit at this. And our domestic politics are so dirty right now. We're about to hit the midterms. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking dirty right now. How is anybody supposed to look to us as like leaders of climate? We are not. We can't even get over fucking fracking and like coal mines. We've still got that kind of shit. Mm. Why aren't we using that power and prestige to like bolster other people who are doing it better? Yeah, I mean, it's shocking that climate change, and this is not just a US thing, but I think generally is not still being seen as a unifying factor. Like you're talking about the dirty politics, all the issues domestically that are happening in the US. And it's dirty and everywhere else, maybe a little bit more in the US for whatever reason. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but like climate change can be that unifying factor. It's affecting everybody. Because we're all going to die. <laughs> right. So why is it still not bringing everybody together in a way that's like, oh, we are all in this together? I'm not saying that John Kerry could do that, but it's partly the power that it could have and use. Well, 16 hours after I saw him, I I read in the news that he's leaving the White House for the private sector so he can fook right off. Oh, so he was yeah. he on his way out. Yeah, <laughs> this was his fucking farewell tour, like shithead. Yikes. While he could travel on the US dime, he was like, let me just say goodbye to all my bros. It was gross. I think that it can, in theory, be a unifying concept, assuming that nobody has to take responsibility. Because the thing that also came up was like climate reparations. If America and China are the biggest producers of pollutants, People in fucking Vanuatu, it's not their fault, but they're underwater because of our bullshit. So like... Yeah, 100%. There's that argument. The second argument is the industrial revolution didn't take place everywhere where we were like burning dirty fuel to create our empires. So if it's cheap, easy to do, there is an argument for other countries who want to go through that industrial revolution so that they can advance themselves. Yeah. And And it's fair. Yeah. And apparently one of the debates at the COP27 is going to be exactly that, how you create some kind of goals or commitments around the fact that some countries on the African continent just want to go ahead with industrial development and their own fossil fuels because they have a lot. And because ironically, it reduces dependencies on other countries who are already there. John Kerry made a funny thing. He was like, I don't think he meant like uppercase D development as in development sector, but the way it came out, the question was developing countries they're super down to like go green if it's gonna leapfrog over everybody else's bullshit. But like they don't have the resources to be able to do that. Those industries don't exist. Those pipelines don't exist. And John Kerry was like, yeah, well, I think that's the place for development. And I was like, can you just add a little bit of nuance? Because it sounds like what you mean are like the development sector to be like filling the gaps of what government should be doing as a reparative action. It does sound like that. That's how I interpreted it. But, you know, I'm hypervigilant these days about this kind of shit. So (laughs) it could just be me reading too much into it. (laughs) The reparations piece is also um, apparently going to be a big conversation at COP27. And the Dutch have stepped up with a fund, I think. Yeah. Or have at least said that they're putting a fund in place. You're so hot for the Dutch. 
Oh, well, at least they've put something out there, at the very least. Because you're into windmills. <laughs> Cycling. But yeah, let's see what happens. Shall we guess? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, so hopeful. <laughs> but the other thing... I don't want to crush your optimism <laughs> with my realism. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. But the other issue there is that that kind of fund will be used to fund things kind of in a different way, indirectly, or not actually channel reparations, yeah. but rather just another name for aid or humanitarian aid, if you like. Yeah. I just really feel like people need to be thinking about their, mm, I don't know, defense funds a little differently. Fucking climate change is the enemy. Mm, yeah. Instead of stockpiling ammunition, maybe plant a garden, start composting. Yeah. Reduce the methane. Do the cow farting tax like in. <laughs> <laughs> but also I heard that. On the street. I heard on the street that humanitarian development organizations in Ukraine have too much money faster than they can spend and they don't know what to do with it. So. <laughs> Who told you that? Inside story. <laughs> <laughs> told me that has 86 million pounds Whoa. and they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> That's fucked on a money. How do they not know what to do with it? Isn't Ukraine already fucking littered and shit? Yeah, but it's where it's littered, it's not so easy to go yet. You've got to negotiate. It is, but they don't have the capacity to like clear as fast as that money is there. So then that money just sits there until they've trained enough people or whatever. And it's the same for other aid organizations. They're all working with the same partners that can't do it fast enough. Yeah. So it's mental. Also, we're going to have to cut this out as well. I'm just going to leap it out. A lot of that money has come from the US, obviously. Yeah. And they also said that they're giving like 50 million to to capacity strengthen as many people as possible. So are being paid 50 million from the US government to put one person in every single government department to capacity strengthen. <laughs> basically. Like VSO does. <laughs> but to basically, and this is obviously like a political undergame, to recreate the country that they want that country to be and like shape the ministers whoever yeah. is running the country essentially you institutionalize right yeah. and yeah. they're not going in with weapons or going in with an army but they're gonna do it this way instead yeah i'm like, here for it makes sense to me <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean is it dodgy yes yeah but is it a good move could be i mean <laughs> i mean we do that all the time when we go around proselytizing about democracy and western values that's the same thing they're just doing it on a very precise targeted scale mm. it's cheaper <laughs> i mean from a value for money perspective yeah makes sense to me but it's really interesting on the level of you think the war is here and you're looking at here but actually the tactics are with the money that's being spent and where they're putting it yeah. in services distribution or capacity strengthening distribution yeah. you know subtly recreating a country that is ready to retake itself anyway sorry I slight mean, deviation but my point was just the amount of money that is sitting elsewhere that's not being poured into climate change i guess yeah take that 85 dig out a few whatevers plant some trees for everything that's dug out of the ground plant a tree in its place so go back to John Kerry. Yeah, so that was it. I just found him really annoying. He's got that kind of, I don't know, like somebody was like, what's the best case scenario, worst case scenario for you at COP27? And he was like, well, I'm an optimist, so I'm not going to answer the worst case scenario. And I was like, there is a worst case scenario that you have fucking planned for. Mm -hmm. So unless you're an optimist and don't think about negative risk, 
answer this woman's question. <laughs> he was kind of doing stuff like that. There was another thing that I didn't quite like. He was like really casual about like meeting his Chinese counterpart. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, so I can't remember this person's name. But he was like, well, yes, we're good friends. I've known them 25 years. You know, some people might be angry that I've said that I've friends with someone in the Chinese government. And nobody was like, <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> we were like, okay, yes, mm. diplomacy. And given the fact that we were having this whole conversation about China and the US and lots of conversations about like China and the US, China and the US, China and the US. He's like, yeah, you know, I hope that if we can schedule some time together, it'd be really great to sit down, you know, if we can find some time. And I'm just like, sorry, you have an already planned time? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> It's not like a casual meet up for a coffee and drinks. I mean, it deliberately sounds like he's being cagey or that he's not letting on what his schedule is or the risk management stuff, right? Or is that, am I reading too much into it from not being there? I think that it's more if they've planned to talk, he doesn't want to say, but it just makes him look like he's not planned mm. a really important bilateral conversation. Right. That doesn't need to be a secret. Like, yeah. They're not doing like hostage negotiations. Yeah. It's not something like that. Like having a conversation with your Chinese counterpart who you're like broed out with. You don't have to keep that a secret from us. But to make it so casual of like, yeah, if we get a chance, like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm just kind of vibing. Kind of makes his attendance just feel really unimportant. And yeah. he hasn't taken it seriously. And maybe fair enough. It's not like him doing stuff, right? Mm. He's got researchers, aides. He's got all kinds of other people who are doing the stuff. But to be so casual about the opportunity that all the leaders get to come together and talk about some pretty pressing shit. Yeah. For the U.S. envoy to just be super casual about it just really fucked me off. I was like, okay, you're just hoping you're going to bump into him at tea time. Or like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to interpret this. What I would have liked him to say is, yeah, we've made time to sit down and these are the things I want to cover. And mm. these are the things we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss them because, yes, I recognize the fact that we're really fucking shit up and we need to be part of the solution, actively driving the solution instead of like, mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, it's just so, so like frustrating. It was too fucking casual. I was like, John Kerry, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sick of you. It's so frustrating. At this point in time, you need politicians anywhere in the world to be going, this is a fucking emergency. Everybody scramble and get your shit together right now. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, even Liz Truss was bringing fracking back. How can we be in 2022 and that still be on the table? It's so fucking wild to me oh lauren's getting pissed because um, she said the f word <laughs> yeah fracking it's a really good word and rishi's not even going that's how important it is to him why well, he's busy well he's busy sorting out he's doing his hair that day <laughs> yeah. although i did see on tiktok he's probably having pancakes for breakfast that's why he's busy what is more <laughs> this anyway. is the thing we go into this thing of like we're gonna make some commitments to the climate they're just trying to shut Greta Thunberg up. They're just like saying a bunch of shit. It is totally meaningless because none of it, not even a percentage, a single percentage of it converts into action. Yeah. For the ones for whom they should be taking huge fucking action. 100%. I can't remember his name, but there is the climate representative from the uk mp who is going but it's just not enough of a show yeah. guess who might be going who if you say boris yeah. i'll slap you <laughs> yeah. okay so i can't verify this but i read somewhere <laughs> that boris johnson was considering going as like yeah. a show of you know i committed last year and the uk hosted cop 26 
weeks last year, right? So showing we committed and here we are again. But then this newspaper I read was like, that might encourage Rishi to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> because he's like, yeah. oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> What's Boris going to start jumbling about yeah. in Egypt? You'd look a bit shit <laughs> if two prime ministers back with fucking floppy hair shows up and you didn't. It just, I'm, I'm freaking out that you told me that. Oh, sorry. Because Let's what's call Rishi more, right now. he's such an asshole. What is more important? This is what I mean. And it's like, what is more important than this? Mm. We're all going to die. Literally. Um, I don't know. We should probably get Rishi on the phone. Do you know what? I cycle past number 10 every day. Great. Well, Monday to Friday. <laughs> I did see a TikTok of how you can get around some of the barriers to get a picture. So maybe I could <laughs> share that with you. I don't want a picture. No, but it might be a good kind of sneaky way to get in or around. I mean, you could just stand in the front and just shout his name. You might Do you sell bullhorns here? You must. Probably. Okay. I get a bullhorn. Well, I'd just be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it. You know what I do? I'm going to get those speakers and just play this episode. <laughs> <laughs> On loud. <laughs> yeah, where I just keep telling Rishi Sunak to go fuck himself. Mm. Go to COP27, take action on commitments to be fair there's probably some protest or paper thing about it out there petition i don't sign petitions i don't believe in them but there's probably some action to try and get ready to go with some climate change group yeah i feel like that would be enough of a thing that people would want to push for kind of just right by number 10 are those horses they have like the horse guardy bit okay i could glue myself to a horse a lot of activists are gluing themselves to things yeah i know i saw one being pulled out the road the other day yeah. a horse <laughs> no a person <laughs> it was glued what were they glued it to it was like they're just oil they were just glued to the floor the road the road <laughs> <laughs> but the police have this anti-glue spray or something mm. and then they spray it do you know what we do in the states Actually, they do it in a bunch of other places, but I haven't seen it very much in this country. Like, I like the idea of gluing yourself to things. I think that's quite good, but I generally have quite dry hands anyway, so I feel like Mm. that might be problematic. Is you chain yourself to somebody else. So, like, you take a regular chain and you wrap it around your wrist and you put a little carabiner or a clip or something inside, and two people stick their hands through, like, a tube... It can be a metal tube, can be whatever you want. And then you clip your clips together. The two of you, you're the only ones who can unclip yourselves. And I used to... Well, we don't need to go into this. But basically, there was some direct action people who would make these cement barrels. And like, you'd take a barrel and you'd do that same thing. But then you'd fill it with cement. Bloody hell. So that you'd have to get cranes to move you. You couldn't wow. just like, get you out. And how do you get out of that? You just unclip yourself. So you have like okay. control. You're the only one who could do it. But some people, what they would do to get activists to let go is they'd hold their eyes open and spray pepper spray in their eyes and Fuck. do crazy shit like that. Or like That's stomp on their heads. Horrible. Because your hands are completely, like they're basically just torturing you until you let go because they can't Fuck. practically move you. That's horrible. Because a barrel filled with cement is heavy. <laughs> I don't think I saw anything like that, but there was that. Remember Extinction Rebellion in Oxford Circus? Yeah. They did a lot of bike locking to like a boat and loads of things in the middle. Mm. Extinction Rebellion, I really don't like the name because it makes me think of white replacement groups. I don't know why. Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I don't have a... I don't... 
Go on. It just makes me think of like those groups who are afraid of the great replacement and white people no longer ceasing to exist. And sometimes I just get them confused because they sound a little bit similar. So I saw a sign <laughs> for like Extinction Rebellion and I was like, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that out loud on the bus? <laughs> That'd be so funny. Okay, fair. <laughs> but they're climate activists. Yeah, yeah. But I don't okay. even know if they, they do still exist and there is like offshoots around the world. Okay. But- I saw one at a farm. Market. Oh, this is there? not when I shouted at them. <laughs> <laughs> but just stop oil are the ones I've heard most of recently in the mm. news. Okay. And there's one about heating homes or something. They blocked the motorway, in fact. Okay. <laughs> Quite a lot, I think, a few months ago. But I think it's... People can't afford fucking petrol right now anyway, so... <laughs> I mean, I wonder where they decide to glue themselves, because I have a really funny image of me just gluing myself to something and no one giving a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Anyone care? We're all going to die, climate change. <laughs> yeah. And you're just glued to yeah. a, a sign in the tube. <laughs> yeah. No one would give a shit down there. <laughs> but also... Public transportation is good. You don't want to, like, glue yourself to something that enables people to access public transportation. Maybe the tube... glue yourself to you? Maybe the tube is good, actually, because now I'm thinking the other issue with the roads and stuff is when an ambulance needs to get by or whatever. And I have read that, you know, they make accommodations for that. But when you've glued yourself, I don't understand how you can. But if it's the tube and you just glue yourself, then it won't go. And then who gives a shit? The ambulance isn't going in there. <laughs> people. Yeah, but they're people who are being responsible and not driving. That's true, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we shouldn't pick on the tube for that reason. Mm. Okay. Okay, well, we'll find something to uh, glue you to. <laughs> if you've got any ideas, email us at jrnypodcast at gmail.com for ideas of things Lauren can glue herself to. <laughs> I'm going to glue myself to the fucking bus because it never turns up. <laughs> <laughs> to like make sure it's with you? Yeah, yeah, you be with me right now. I mean, you have this deep obsession for the Dutch, so why don't you just get a bike? I know, we've talked about this. I know, but I want to talk about it on the podcast. It scares me. Cycling in London is scary. Number one. Okay. Number two, it's in the winter and my eyes are not as good in the dark. And especially, it's true. Why animals have eyes that they're not so good in the dark? You're one of those animals. <laughs> It's like a chinchilla or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, like, my eyes have never been that good. I'm short-sighted, got other issues. And so the brightness mm. of the cars and stuff, it, it like, blinds me. <laughs> I just feel, like, all over the place. I'm going to sign you up for the cycling classes that the kids have around the corner. They wear their high-vis. You can wear your high-vis, your white savior high-vis. And that's then true. And be a whole thing. Yeah, that's true. But still, now it just doesn't feel like the right season. When, like, spring and summer comes around, I might consider it more you're so full of shit you're not going to mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's see okay uh those are my predictions for cop 27 just okay. a bunch of nonsense i'll feel really sad if we come out in a couple of weeks and the commitments or whatever is meant to come out of it just feels very flat yeah or it doesn't feel like it's elevated us to the next level yeah and I think I will feel really sad about that. I just don't really understand how people are going to feel they can action any kind of commitment that requires financial investment, given that economies are still rebounding from like so much shit. I just don't really understand how people are going to be like, yeah, like, let's invest. The only thing that gives me optimism is, I don't know, is Vladimir Putin like some sort of extreme climate activist and we don't know it? Because him shutting off 
of gas is making everyone go, we're going to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels just in case some other dickhead does this again. I don't know. He's not. <laughs> He's a fucking piece of shit. But that move did trigger this thinking of, okay, energy security is fucking huge. And if somebody gets pissed off and switches off the lights, you're fucked. Yeah. So like, I feel optimistic about that, not because it would save lives and is the right thing to do, but because people are scared of assholes switching off the source of their electricity heating yeah etc but isn't this sad? Not electricity in the case of russia but <laughs> but isn't this sadly how change often happens it gets to a point in which what people need isn't there anymore yeah and i think unfortunately that's often the way but i do recall boris flying over to saudi arabia to like talk to them about oil so i don't <laughs> know if it's like one devil out one devil in but the other thing as well and this is often the tension with the conversations around climate change is what lives are lost in the immediate to save the long term so what you're saying is true, but then if you look at countries like, beginning with M. Mogadishu. No, in... <laughs> That's not a country. <laughs> in Europe. Southeast. Malta. No, Moldova. Close. Yeah, you gave it to me. People are going to die because their reliance on Russian oil was 95% or something. Yeah. And, you know, there's already humanitarian organisations going there to That's help what your organisation should do with their 85 million that they don't know what to do with. It's not my organisation. <laughs> Pass. Uh, um, got the t-shirts. Well, I've collected many t-shirts over the years. Well, I should probably okay. like stitch them all into a blanket and be like white supremacists. <laughs> anyway, so it's that tension between what lives are lost now to save the long term. I feel that that is often the case. Yeah. Oh, not often the case, but often a tension. Yeah. So push people to such deep insecurity that they have to do something. So okay. like right at the 11th hour. I mean, we're already past the 11th hour. Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio made that film already. Yeah. So Leonardo DiCaprio? I didn't know. 11th hour. I do quite like Leo. He's all right. I wish he'd date in his age. <laughs> <laughs> the pattern's too, uh, too much to ignore. <laughs> I feel like we've just done like a less researched version of Pod Save the World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, great topic though. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Journey to Transformation. Leave us a five-star rating and a written review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Journey to Transformation is written and edited by us, Tia Rogers and Lauren Burrows. Our music comes from Praz Canal.